Sorry, I was waiting on you coming in. <laughs> <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't say any more than that, Derek. It was just, I'm just fucking so annoyed. Hello. Hello. Sorry about that. <laughs> I've been waiting that long. I need a pee now. <laughs> You've been thinking. And the stadium erupts in red, white, and blue. You've never seen anything like it. Let's go. Hi everyone and welcome to the next episode of the I Ready podcast. As ever, I'm your host Derek and with me is my co-host Dave. How are you doing Dave? Derek, I am here, still in shock after the news, uh, the, the sad news th- th- this week, but uh, we are here, just glad that we're, we're getting to talk about everything that's happening, some good, mostly bad, but we're still here do- doing our thing as we like to do. Yeah, I mean, obviously we'll we'll get into that sad news as well. But Dave, have you calmed down from last night yet? I was really quite upset last night, Derek. I think the whole occasion as well got to me. I think the we'll get into the game and and stuff like that. I was just more disappointed with our team, especially on the occasion as well, Derek. Uh, I was I think I was more annoyed about that. But we will talk about that when we get into our. Uh, you know, re- re- review of the matches. Yes. So we'll go down the tunnel and onto the park. So obviously we put out a, a podcast yesterday just before the game, just in tribute to the sad past of, of Walter Smith as well. But we've got to talk about him again, Dave, haven't we? It's yep, just, definitely. He's, he's ingrained in everything that, certainly from our generation and yeah. future generations, will, will, will know all about Rangers because of largely him. Yes, d- definitely, Derek. Like we said, we, we gave our tribute yesterday. And, and as I said, Derek, if you were just to ask anybody sort of over the age of 25 give me the name of a Rangers manager the first name that 99.9% of people would say would be Walter Smith he is our leader he's the gaffer he's the man that we've all grown up with he was Mr Rangers and as you said and, and you know ingrained with Walter Smith you know is right right up there you know as, as far as we're all concerned as being the greatest manager and it's just been such a, a sad time uh, the tributes have just been pouring in, haven't they? Yeah, and you know they still keep coming in. And obviously there was um, one minute silences last night as well in tribute to him. So all of them was impeccably heard, apart from yeah. one game, of course, which you know I'm not going to disgrace no, his name not, by by no. even mentioning that again. Just typical scum that they are. But yeah, you know certainly it's going it's going to hurt for a while. It's it's going to be a tough one to get over this. And you know, there's not really a, a, lot, a lot more we can say about that. Unfortunately, it's just, it's going to take time. However, as hard as it is, we need to move on and we will cover the games, obviously. So the first game we've got to cover is the first of the bad games, I suppose. <laughs> the one each draw at home against Hearts on Saturday, the 16th of October, and that was in the Premiership. We had one change from the Hibs game. More like it. That's what we wanted. One change. And it was Tavernier in for Patterson, which... Really, I didn't agree with. To be honest, I don't know if it's about you, Derek. You know my feelings on Nathan Patterson. I think he's a phenomenal player, and I know that Tav is our captain. 
have, in my, you know, in, in my opinion, you know, was, you know, if not our best player last season, certainly in the top three with the performances that he gave last season, a huge part of us winning the league this season. It's just no been his his season yet, has it? He's, you know, there's there's been the odd patch here and there that he's he's looked like his old self, but in the you know the the full extent of all his matches, he's just not looked himself at all, and Nathan Patterson just looks like a breath of fresh air on that right-hand side, but I can see where Stephen Gerrard is in a difficult position, Tav, as our captain, he was instrumental last year, but like you, I think maybe Patterson should have kept his place in the team. I think so too. But we lined up McGregor, Tavernier, Goldson, Balogun, Barisic, Lundstrom, Kamara, Aribo, Hadji, Wright and Morelis. On the subs bench were McLaughlin, Bassey, Davis, Patterson, Bakuna, Roof and Sakala. So the first half, it was a fantastic performance in the first half. The best we've seen all season, I would have said. Chasing every ball, playing some great intricate one and two touch football and more importantly, it was varied play. Changing it about from going down the wings and crossing in then going direct through the middle, playing with pace and intent. Even when we were in tight spaces, we were skillfully playing it out of that, that tight space. Every player playing their part, we're yep. on top of the game and we're fighting for it. Never giving Hearts a sniff at, at, at all and it was Craig Gordon that kept Hearts in it. The only disappointment was that it was 1-0. That's right, Derek, because we've all been sitting waiting, haven't we, for that breakout game where we finally go and completely dominate, play fantastically well. Uh, but as you say, it was the fact that we couldn't, you know, add more goals to, you, you know, the fantastic way that we were playing. And, you know, what happens, Derek, does you know, especially Rangers, the longer it goes on, the longer it goes on, the more worried we get. But certainly the best I reckon we've played all season in the first half anyway. Yeah. So the best chance up until that point was on the 29th minute when it was a triple chance as well. It was really unlucky. It was a corner in from the left. Balogun with a header, saved by the legs of Gordon on the line, rebounds back to the legs of Balogun, again saved on the line by the legs of Gordon as well. Then yep. pinball off the line again by the defender. I do not know how that never went in. It's, it seems to be a, a common trend just now, Derek, doesn't it? Us getting shots away and, um, you know, either incredible saves or goal line clearances and deflections off and stuff like that we just don't seem to be getting the breaks at all and you know we were uh, banking on that one be- being a goal but just wasn't for going in was it? No certainly not. 35th minute I felt we kind of got away with one with Aribo because he lost control of the ball lunges to get it back and catches the player with the studs. Yellow card was given. If it was a red I don't think we could have any complaints about that. It was a harsh one, Derek. I am going to uh, wear my blue tinted glasses and say that I think it was a foul and it was a yellow card. <laughs> <laughs> that should be um, exactly very generous, I think. Yeah. In fairness, you know, having said that, the ref was having an absolute howler, letting Hearts players away with absolute murder, multiple fouls by a couple of Hearts players in particular, no cards given. Goldson got a yellow card for his first foul and it was questionable whether he even touched the guy in the first place anyway. Uh, so uh, another case of, you know, a poor refereeing performance all round, not just, yep. you know, as they say, that Mason ref benefiting us. No, it's, there's been a lot of performances like that, Derek, we know all too well and as you say, Hearts were getting away with murder where a, a lot of the challenges they were putting in also so it was uh, uh, it was a poor show at that point 
Yeah. However, we did go a goal up on the 39th minute with Lundstrom scoring, and it was an absolute screamer. A long diagonal from Goldson to Hadji on the right. Lovely control by Hadji with his chest. Takes it nearer towards the box. Crossed, but knocked away by the defence, but only to Lundstrom, 20 yards from goal in the centre. Controls it, takes it to the edge of the box, and unleashes an absolute stunning curler into the back of the net on the right-hand side. Yeah, it was a great goal, Derek. He, he was having a fantastic game as well. Lundstrom starting to show... You know what it was that Steven Gerrard had seen in him because I know there was a lot of questions about him and his, uh, you know, his addition to the squad and, uh, but certainly playing a hell of a lot better and an absolute stunning goal for him, absolutely tremendous. Yes, so that's how the half ended. Delighted with the way we were playing. As I said, the yep. only disappointment was the fact that we we're only one nil up, and you know it was it was turned out to be yep. costly <laughs> because in the second half it was an absolute shambles. Hearts to their credit changed things at half time to go more attacking. We largely sat back for most of the half, and that was the big change. We yep. completely dropped our pace and intensity. It allowed Hearts back in, and we were the second best team in the half. Probably the best example of this was on the 70th minute when Hart spent a good few minutes fanning about with the ball at their back. Us sitting off, they passed the ball up the park, ending on a lovely through ball into the middle of our defence. The attacker got a shot off, but an outstanding save by the Glover McGregor, who had charged out. It was yeah. ruled offside in any case. Uh, I'm not sure it was, but it really doesn't matter. That chance should have never happened. We should yeah. have cut that off right at the start. Yep, De- definitely, Derek. We were definitely little off the hook there. Yep. Morelos had chance after chance after chance in that game. Not just half chances, guilt edge chances that Morelos on form would have put away easy. Best example of that was in the 84th minute when it was lovely play ended in roof in the box on the right. It gets past the defender, squares it to Morelos in the box who had space. He slides in and managed to put it wide into more or less an empty net. It was just poor. Yeah, it was, it was a great move as well right across the face of the goal to Derek. So, you know, really, really poor by Alfredo. You know, I don't normally say things like that, but that, you know, was a guilt-edge chance there to just completely kill the game off. Yeah. I mean, I've I've put, you know, a a note here about my patience had run thin with him because he had had some great outstanding passes or play on occasion throughout the game. But when you need him to score, he's fluffing his lines more often than not. And I, I would have needed to check, but I think it was something like a goal in every four or five games. I think he has only scored 14 goals at that point all season. And it's one thing if you're not getting chances, and you can understand that because we've had periods when we weren't getting the ball up to the, the attacking line. But when you're getting chances galore nearly every game, you know, it's not good enough for our main striker like that. And ultimately, Gerard did, I think, come out after, you know, he scored in the next game, I think it was, but he needed to put more on his uh, goal tally for this season. My point is that there was absolutely no need to get rid of it during the summer, was there? At that point, Derek, if you think about it, he had a fully fit front three that would, you know, almost play every week or certainly every big game. Ryan Kent's been a huge miss, Derek. I don't care what anybody said. I've said it time and time and time again. Kent's been a huge miss, especially for Alfredo Morelos because uh, Kent was was scoring a lot of goals in, in, in Morelos last season, not just for his goal scoring, but making goals as well. It was a, a incredible out, outlet for him. It's been, I don't think we've played well at all up front all season, Derek, I really don't. And I, I'm putting that down to the fact that Kent, you know, wasn't fit and then he started getting fit and then he was injured again. He's been out for for so long. Stephen Gerrard's tried to put 
you know, I don't know how many different players on that left hand side up front. It's not worked. It's, it's not worked with any of them. I know there's a lot of people, you know, like uh, Scott Wright c- coming in, but uh, there wasn't enough there for me. He's tried Hadji out there. He's tried Sakala out there. You know, all, all of that. Uh, but you know, when he got rid of Itton, we did have a sort of full front line at that point. But now, as you say, Derek, we could be certainly doing with him because. He would put the ball in the back of the net. Even Jermaine Defoe being fit, Derek, to be able to come on in the last half half hour of games. I don't know what the hell's happening there. Oh, oh we'll get we'll get into point, him later. Uh, <laughs> it's we are seriously lacking another option up there, Derek. Sakala is the type of player. Completely different. I don't think Sakala is a, a an out and out striker like a poacher. He's the type of guy that you would try and. Play, play the ball in front of from to sprint onto, but that's not the way that we play. It's not the style that we play. We, we play a lot of hold-up hold play and bringing other, other players in, so he's he, he's not that type of player. I'm not saying that he can't be, but at this stage he's not, and we're seriously missing a like a a, a, a penalty box striker, Derek, for when Morelos is, is misfiring. I'm hoping now with the, the goals that Morelos has scored that he gets, he, he gets himself into a wee bit of a run but, uh, but we certainly missed that uh, up there. And, you know, certainly if we'd have kept it, that would have been a good option for us. Yeah. So in the game as well, McGregor made a number of important saves in the second half, as he always does. And uh, But his part in Hart's goal cannot be understated at all. Right in the 90th minute, it was a corner from the right. McGregor, for some reason, comes out to punch it. Now, bear in mind it was rainy at that point, so the ball was skating about quite yeah. a bit. He completely sclaps it, falls to the Hearts player at the back post who heads it in. I mean, just a comedy of errors with that one there. And once again, no player on the post. I mean, that is it's, another one of the things this season yeah. that we're severely lacking for, is no players on the post at set pieces. Yeah. We've been outdone with that several times this year. Yeah, and it's quite strange because, and I think, you know, is it, is it possibly with the fact that Steve Davis is now sort of, he's getting less game time because it was always Davis that was the man there that was organising that. It was always either him on the line or, or him at the back post for, for these things. And, you know, you would like to think that there would be somebody get, getting that arranged, Derek, or sorted. It's not been... Philip Palander getting injured again, Derek, has been huge for us. I've sat actually talking about it to a, a big Rangers fan tonight. We were, we were talking about Halander and he, he said it as well. You know, it's, he, he's been a huge miss for, for us at, at the back also. And uh, it just seems that our organisation at the back, Derek, is just a, you know it's, it's just a, a, a shambles at the moment. There, there doesn't appear to be anybody taking charge there, and you know that's what's outdone us. A bad mistake by McGregor, and there he's you know he's got to hold hold his hands up there. I don't know what he was trying to do, as you say. If he tried to punch it, if he tried to palm it, if he tried to you know, do something with it. It didn't work. It was it was just a t- totally messy. But at the same time, Derek, if we'd have put our chances away, you know, it, it wouldn't have mattered. So it was. Uh, I'm I'm putting it on the whole team. At, at the time, I was I was kind of blaming McGregor, but but looking back, we really should have had enough to sink Hearts before that even happened. So really, really poor, self-inflicted. I think that's the. That's the two words that I'm going to use a lot tonight, which is you know really disappointing. Is we're putting ourselves into this position, aren't we? So it's not that a team's completely outplaying us; it's us that are outplaying ourselves, and it's it's just really frustrating. Yeah. However, 
We moved into the next game, which was Thursday the 21st of October. It was a 2-0 home win against Bronby in the Europa League Group A Game 3. Two changes from the Hearts game. We lined up McGregor, Tavernier, Goldson, Balogun, Barisic, Aribo, Davis, Lundstrom, Roof, Hadji and Morelis. On the subs bench, we have McLaughlin, McCrory, Bassey, Patterson, Bakuna, Wright, Kelly, Sakala and Arfield. So, finally we got a 90-minute performance, didn't we? Exactly, yeah. Decent performance, Derek. I, w- I wouldn't say it was an outstanding performance, but it was professional. Uh, we did ev- everything correctly, and it was it's the performances and the results that we've been used to in Europe over the last few seasons, wasn't it? Yeah. So in the first half, it was an impressive performance in the first half. Played with skill, pace and intensity. Similar to the Hearts' first half, the difference in this game is we got the second goal. Yeah. Every player looked hungry. Aribo was having an absolute stormer. Yeah. I missed the first minute because of my stream. I think Bronby had a, a, an early chance uh, in the first yeah. minute there. However, we did get our goal on the 18th minute and it was Balogun scoring. Tavernier with the corner from the right. Missiles were raining down on him just before he taken it as well, which I don't think I've heard anything from UEFA about, you know, that at all so far. It was an outswinger to the centre of the box, and Balogun, whose marker was tight on him, made a massive run and a powerful header into the back of net. A great goal. And first goal for the club, I believe, Derek. Yes, I was surprised at that as well. Yep, so, so was that. No, excellent. That's what we're looking for from our centre-halves. When we've got a corner, an attacking corner, we're looking for them to be dominant. He certainly was. As you say, he made a huge run. It was a great delivery. And yes, something else that we've been lacking drastically this season. And it just shows you when we get decent deliveries into the box, we've got guys there that can put the ball in the back of the net. It was a, a fantastic goal. Great time to get the goal as well and as you say the team looked well up for it at that point yeah, Bronby's best move of the half came on the 27th minute when they had a, a move down the left, gets to the goal line, cuts it back, the ball was behind the attacker but he's managed to get a shot off and it was just over the bar so living a wee bit dangerously there but thankfully we, yeah. we, we got away with that there and then we made it 2-0 on the 30th minute, only after a dramatic VAR check as well, Dave. Yeah, it was. Yep, I know. It's strange to, to, to see these things, you know, happen, happen at Ibrox, but uh, it, it seemed to be like an eternity, Derek, didn't it? Yeah, it was lovely play down the right. A superb through ball to Aribo, who had a great cross, a header by Morelis, which was slightly behind him. The keeper saved and rebounded to Roof, who put it into the net. Roof's feet were onside when Morelis headed yep. it, but his head and chest I thought were clearly off. However, there was a stoppage of the play. The referee seemed to change his watch as well. I don't know if he was having issues with communication. There was a check and he gave the goal. So I think to a man, everybody was like, that's a baffling decision that we got away with one there. How can they be? How can they say that's a goal? However, a graphic was shown on yep. the TV about a minute later and it was the defender's trailing leg that was clearly playing but a roof on. So absolutely craziness. VAR worked a treat there. Yep. It certainly did, and, and that's what it's supposed to be for, Derek, for, for decisions like that. And as you say, at first, it looked well offside, but, you know, when they when they stopped it and, and they showed you, you know, from the, the, the line of play, he was definitely on because his, his foot was there. But you've got to feel sorry for Stephen Cregan at that point, Derek, because <laughs> I think the guy was almost rushed to hospital with a heart attack. God, absolutely. But, I mean, a commentator commentating on a Scottish team in Europe and for him to be so incensed and he really shows colours at that point was an absolute disgrace. 
he was absolutely livid that that, pet, that that goal was allowed to stand. He was so upset, going absolutely mental. Don't get me wrong, Derek, h- hilarious for us, but really embarrassing, I think, for a, you know, supposed to be a, a non-biased commentator to come out like that. I've, I've never heard anything like it. He was absolutely raging. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> And then to round out the half, we had our good chance on the 45th minute. Aribo on the right side of the box, passes to Morales, who hits a first-time shot and it hit off the outside of the left post. Really unlucky that there. But again, it goes down as a shot off target for him. And in the 46th minute, it was a free kick by Tavernier on the left, played to the near post. Roof slides in and makes contact, but it was more of a sclaff and it was comfortably gathered with the keeper. Should have been been a, a third right there. Yeah, definitely. However... Delighted with that performance so far. Just hoping we can maintain that performance for the full 90. Second half. As I said, finally we got a good second half performance to match the the good first half one. Granted, the first five minutes of the second half were ropey and none (laughs) more so than right after kickoff as well because they got another guilt edge chance with Barisic with an absolutely shocking back pass near the halfway line to absolutely nobody. I don't know if he just misjudged the the travel on the pitch or not, but the player managed to nip in. He got to the right side of the goal, 1v1 with McGregor and the attacker fortunately duffs the shot, puts it wide. I just don't know what Barisic was thinking with that pass. Yeah. Derek, I, Derek, again, it's the Tavernier syndrome. I mean, last year those two players were, you know, the first name on the team sheet. Just, just about the two of them were absolutely outstanding. The two of them were, you know, but it's it's just as if they're, they're completely different players this season, isn't it? I mean, we're they're getting caught out in defence all the time and. What we were used to was their uh, deficiencies in defence. They more than made up with going forward and getting balls into the box. And it's just not been there this season. And Barisic has been really poor. I'm just really, really shocked about him as well. It's just a symptom of the whole team just now, I think, Ah, as well. I know. Um, However, we quickly regained our composure and got back in control. A massive moment of controversy, though, on the 57th minute when there was a stonewall penalty not given. A rebote on the right-hand side gets taken out in the box. Nothing given by the ref. Play was raging on. We're not even sure if VAR checked anything or yeah, not. Because a, a minute and a half later, allegedly the check ended, but I'm not even sure it was because that was all the, the commentators presumed yeah. that. Nothing was given. I mean, it was an absolute stonewaller. Yep. In real time, it looked completely obvious. Then yep. we had two slowed-down close-in replays, and it was clearly obvious as well. So... I don't know if I don't know how VAR works actually because surely you would have thought that there's going to be the referees up in the, the panel or whoever they are, you know, checking these incidents as well. I mean, and and for them not to give a penalty for that is absolutely mind blowing. I think Stephen Cragen has went up and tied tied them up and gagged them in the box at half time. I'm sure that's it, that's it because that must be about the only reason, Derek. Because as you say, a stone wall as you get. Listen, Stephen Craig and sexual recovery is are up to him, but I don't judge. <laughs> Hopefully that's not one of your funny stories at the end of the podcast, Eric. Certainly not, no. And that's the thing as well, after the, the game, you know, um, Stephen Gerrard was asked about the whole VAR decisions and he said the VAR got it wrong. Obviously, the, you know, that's uh, it's, it's failed tonight, which is absolutely correct because... It's meant, as you said before, it's meant to pick up on the the mistakes that are made, and clearly that never picked up in it there. So, yeah. um, you know, these things work for you and work against you sometimes, I suppose. But yeah. it's, it's not not really the point. The technology is meant to be there to, to uh, exactly, alleviate yeah. these mistakes. 
However, a really concerning moment as well in the 64th minute because Balogun went off injured and it looked as if it was hamstring. However, you know, amazing recovery because he was back playing the next game as well, so not as bad as we first thought. Yeah. 69th minute was a poor effort from Morelos and right after it, Gerard turned to Sakala and told him to get ready and he came on for Morelos in the 70th. It just wasn't working for Morelos again tonight, was it? No, again, Derek, I, I don't quite know what's what's wrong there. Is it lacking in confidence? He certainly doesn't seem to be the type of player that would lack, lack in confidence. It wasn't clicking at that point, Derek, was it? It had been very quiet once again in the game, which, you know, is, is, is quite worrying for us watching them at that stage. But thankfully, in the, the couple of games after that, it was going to be starting to click again. Yeah. So Carlo looked lively when he came on. I had a sick child to attend to, but I'm hearing also there was another strong claim for a penalty when Sakala was held in the box. There was a triple substitution on the 79th minute with Lundstrom, Hadji and Rufoff, Arfield, Bakuna and Wright on. Arfield had a chance more or less straight away because there was a great move worked down the right on the 79th minute. It was ended in right crossing the ball into the box in the middle and Arfield having a shot off the bar. Really unlucky that there. Sakala had a good chance on the 82nd minute when he was driving forward through the middle, uses his muscle to get past the defender, starts drifting left and as he gets to the box, he has a shot but saved by the keeper who had narrowed the angle. And then that's when we've seen out the game. So absolutely delighted with that. We had a lot of chances I wish we had converted a wee bit more. However, you know, we got the three points and our points tally is is finally off the mark after three games in the Europa League this year. Exactly. Three points, Derek. A clean sheet, but most of all, a professional performance, which is what we were all really looking for. We, We needed to get that victory. It was very important. And then going by the other results in the you know the Europa League that night, it's, it's kind of went out of our favour. So the ball sort of back in our court again, Derek. We've, we've got a chance. We just need to uh, keep the heed, as they say. And it all comes down to us, Derek. It's us keeping the defence solid, not you know giving away the ball, not giving away any stupid goals, shooting ourselves in the foot. As I say, I'm going to keep saying that throughout this pod. If we can stop doing that. That's our biggest problem gone. If we can stop all these silly mistakes, and thankfully in that game we managed to do that, and I genuinely thought after that, I thought surely this is now us going to, you know, that's going to push us forward now. We're, we're going to really sort of kickstart the season after that because it really was a good performance, a, a great result. Yeah. However, <laughs> the next game, we got a win. It was a 2-1 win away against St Mirren in the Premiership on Sunday the 24th of October. However, we made very heavy weather of it. Yes. One change from the Bromby game, and that was McLaughlin in for McGregor. So we lined up McLaughlin, Tavernier, Goldson, Balogun, Barisic, Aribo, Davis, Lundstrom, Roof, Hadji and Morelis. On the subs bench, we had McCrory, Bassey, Patterson, Kamara, Bakuna, Sakala and Arfield. So McGregor not there, so I'm not sure if he had be picked up a wee knock or not, or he was just getting rested or not, but I'm not too sure. However, the first half... Utter dug meat for 35 minutes, started to get better for five minutes, and five minutes of absolute dominance. This team seemed to have, a, for me, a serious mentality issue. Yeah. And I said at the time on Twitter, it's almost as if they think because they walked the league last year, they don't need to bother their arse at times. That's what we've seen for the first 35 minutes of this game, and we were getting absolutely trodden over by St. Martin. I mean, St. Martin were something like eighth in the league at this point. We were not at the races, and they, St. Martin, were by far the better team 
team and moving quickly. St Myrne got their goal early on in the third minute when Tavernier lost the ball on the left-hand side. A poor attempted tackle by Lundstrom. He tried to track back with the player and credit to the boy, a fantastic 25-yard strike into the top right corner. McLaughlin had no chance, but once again, a ball lost in midfield by our right back who should know a lot better who's done that time and time again I know this is turning into you know blame Tavernier blame goals you know (laughs) podcast again but it just so happens that they're the ones causing the bloody goals here I'm not going to let Lundstrom off the hook here as well because he was poor because it was a poor attempted tackle just go through the boy if you don't think you're going to get to it you can't legislate for a great strike but it shouldn't have got to that Dave I know it was it was really really poor again Derek and again Use the words again, self-inflicted. Fantastic goal. I'm actually just thinking there, Derek. I hope he's listening to the podcast just now because we'll be getting him on soon. But I think what we need to do is get Craig McCrimmon back on the <laughs> podcast because if you can if you can go back, me and you were having our rant about James Tavernier and he staunchly defended our captain to the hill. And ever since he did that, Tav went on to have probably the best season that he's had in his Rangers career. So maybe we're needing to do that, Derek. So we'll get Craig on soon and the two of us can uh, can have our rants about Tav this season and get him to staunchly defend him. But it was, it was poor, Derek. Again, it's we can laugh and joke about it, but these are, again, I, I, I'm sounding like a, a broken record player, but self-inflicted stuff. I mean, if we cut all these stupid mistakes out, we, th- there would be no issues because there's no team has came out, Derek, and been bombarding us with, with shots and, and and things like that. It's been all down to our own making, and it's just, again, so frustrating. Exactly what you said, though, Derek. Fantastic goal by the guy, but he should never have been given that opportunity. No, and when you said it's those words again, I thought you were going to say for fuck's sake, Tav. <laughs> <laughs> Craig will be raging the new man. He'll be listening to this podcast that he's calm got to work on. Absolutely mental. <laughs> but no, it was, and 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 by him, Derek, it's for a guy who was like magnificent last season. For him to go back to how he was a few seasons ago, I really, really hope it's just a, a you know a very brief dip in form and you know and he can get back to the performances that he had last season but it's it's been poor yeah so St Martin we would have thought that they would have sat back from there and you know just let us come at them and, and just sit really tight but they've done far from that because they still played they played fast they played pacey they pressed us all the time and we we really started to struggle we had a wee bit better chances on the 24th and 27th minute. It was a corner in from Tavernier from the right, a bullet of a header by Goldson, but right at Jack Anik, the, who was the St. Martin keeper. Yeah. The 27th minute was an absolute carbon copy right at the fucking keeper. I mean, it's yeah. not just a, a, a thing that's, that's unique to us because every team do it. It just amazes me how often that the keeper seems to be a magnet to attract the ball. Yeah. Nobody seems to put it to the side of the keeper. It just seems alien to some players. I don't know if it's just that, not a perception thing, but just uh, you know exactly where the keeper is. So you've got a reference point there and it just happens to go to the the, the keeper every single time. I I don't know. It just seems to happen with footballers quite a bit. 35th minute, we started to actually play and then 
on the 40th minute, that's when we really came into our play because you, those three words you love to hear, <laughs> penalty to Rangers. Hadji was on the right-hand side of the box. He shimmies inside and clearly taken out. A clear yep. penalty, but the Orcs usually, you know, they, oh, they moaned about it. Uh, yep. Mason referees as yeah, usual. Exactly, yeah. However, up steps Roof on the 41st minute and blasts it into the bottom right corner. Keeper dives the right way. Great penalty, yep. Yeah, lots of power, yeah. lots of accuracy. And then, moment of madness as well, because on the 43rd minute, Morelos finally gets a goal this season and it makes it 2-1. It was a quick break up the park. Aribo slides it to Tavernier on the right, who has a first-time cross, bounces in the middle, and Morelos heads it down into the back of the net. And to boot, it was his 100th goal for Rangers as well. Yep, fantastic. And, and there you go, the good and the, you know, the bad and then the good, James Tavernier sprinting down the wing, not even thinking about it, Derek. It just, you know, natural, instinctive cross, plays and bounces perfectly for Morelos. He just had to flick it in with, with his head. Absolutely delighted. I was going absolutely nuts. He was going absolutely nuts right into the supporters. You saw what it meant to him. You saw what it meant, it meant to the fans. We all love him, Derek. I know you had your rant about him earlier on. I was absolutely chuffed to bits for him. And again, going some way to answering the critics that he's been getting recently, but just delighted that they managed to get in front before half-time. Yep, so we're certainly looking for us to take the heed from that and, and you know go into the second half like we, we finished the, the first yeah. half in that last five minutes. Certainly a better second half. It was perfunctory, nothing flash. We were certainly be- the better team. But to be honest, I don't think we really pushed for that third goal, which would have effectively ended the game and made it a lot more comfortable. Our best chance of the half came on the 52nd minute with Barisic had a long ball floated into the middle of the box. Tavernier with a header forcing the keeper into a decent save. I've no idea why Tavernier was there and it wasn't <laughs> Roof or Alfie. But you know how Tavernier likes to drift yeah. into that position sometimes. Yeah, I know. Well, again, we, we saw it so many times last year, Derek, and as you say, it was unlucky, but maybe if it had fallen to somebody who was a better header of the ball, it could possibly have been the third goal, but unlucky Batavenir there. Yeah. Sakala uh, came on for Morelos, Arfield came on for Hadji. Sakala with a late effort, but he had a fresh air header. If he had connected it, it would have been in. And St Mirren went down to 10 men for the last three part of the game. There was seven minutes of injury time. They had used all their subs as well. That's the reason why they went to down to 10 men. And uh, Patterson came on for Roof in the dying minutes as well. So it was done the hard way. It was certainly, when you look back on the, the, the second half, St Mirren offered absolutely nothing. So yeah. we've seen it last year as well. We seemed a lot more nervous than we really should have been because yeah. the opposition offered nothing but it's it's not really the point if you just got that third goal it would have made everything a lot better I'll get into it a wee bit more after the next game but I think a lot of people are forgetting as much as we won it at a canter 25 points never lost a game in the league there was a good few games last year where we were you know, losing for a good chunk of the game. You know, Motherwell's a, a good case in point. There was a good few games as well where it was 1-0 and, you know, or we were only winning by one goal yeah. and it was a lot more nervous than it really should have been. When, yeah, but when you look back in the games, we never really were in doubt, to be honest. So I think that's got to be taken into context once we, we, we finish this next game. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so this last game we've got to cover 
was last night. It was or two nights ago when you, you oh, finally listened right. to this. Try to stay calm here, guys. <laughs> Thursday, the twenty seventh of October. It was at home against Aberdeen, and it ended up being two each. Two changes from the St. Mirren game. It was Bassey for Barisic and Kamara for Davis. We lined up McLaughlin, Tavernier, Goldson, Balogun, Bassey, Aribo, Lundstrom, Kamara, Roof, Hadji, and Morelis on the subs bench. Where McGregor, Davis, Simpson, Patterson, Wright, Sakala, and Arfield. Obviously, we had the minute silence for Walter Smith as well, and it was impeccably observed. So, started off the first half was an absolute infuriating first half, as because we played well in spells and then we collapsed in others. And then on occasion, we were quite happy for Aberdeen to have the ball, and that and the mistakes we made led to our downfall. As per, we played well for the opening first five minutes. In that five minutes, we played with intent, but as per as well, we made a mistake at the back and we ended up 1 0 down. That first goal for Aberdeen came on the ninth minute. We were trying to play out from the back with Goldson. It was at the goal line. A silly ball to Lundstrom. Lundstrom had a player right next to him as well, more or less. Lundstrom gets caught with the ball. Aberdeen get possession of the ball. They played back out the box. A couple of passes, a cross in and a header into the back of the net. Absolutely pish poor. Derek, it was embarrassing. That's how bad it was. What Connor Goldson was thinking, I honestly don't know. Everybody in that stadium could see that, that Lundstrom had two players on him when he, he, he tried to play the ball. I understand why they play out from the back, but that's not how you play out from the back. You don't, you know, to pass the ball to you know somebody quite clearly who's not got any time in the ball. It's just leading the other team on, and it was just it was just a complete horror show, wasn't it? For the for the pass on to them getting the ball because it wasn't the fact that it was like a back pass it nipped in and fired it past the keeper they still had things to do that wasn't the only defensive mistake there the fact that he got to get to the byline in the first place the fact he managed to get the sort of cross you know across the face of the goal and then that guy was there unmarked to hit to head it in absolutely shambolic defending what the hell they were thinking about I don't know and I'm starting to get really annoyed again <laughs> I mean, you look at our defence this year and it's been absolutely shambolic because of silly, stupid mistakes like that. You contrast that with last year and we never had those mistakes. And do you know the reason why? And I said it in the post-match last night, is because our defenders, Goldson especially, was no longer thinking he was Franco Baresi. That is the big difference for me in our defence. You don't make the mistakes if you just clear your lines. That's what he was doing all last year, doing the simple thing, clearing the lines. Tavernier was doing it as well. They've decided to go back to this silly trying to be brilliant out of the back, and you don't need to do that. Clear your lines first. That is the first rule of defending. Make sure you don't give the opposition a sniff. They're doing that every single game now, and it's leading to mistakes and dropped points. Exactly, Derek. And again, I'm going to say the words again, self-inflicted. Really, really poor. I'm just really pissed off with these mistakes, Derek. These guys should know exactly what to do. You don't fanny about with the ball at the back like that. You don't try and be smart when there's players in there. Everybody knows that. God, I go and watch my laddie's team play. And, you know... The vast majority of boys' football is all about playing out from the back. And the first rule you say, though, is if the pass isn't on, you play from out the back, you don't do it, you, you, you switch to a, a different option. 
didn't happen there at all. Really, really poor and gave a really shit Aberdeen team the lead at Ibrox and as you're about to get into it, it gets bloody worse after that. Yes. We had a couple of chances after that. It was deflected out for the corner and then absolute disaster because we went 2-0 down on the 15th minute. And it was fucking Scott Brown, of all people. There was a corner in from the right. It may have taken a slight flick off the attacker's head, but it was right to the centre of the box to the unmarked, on-running Brown who bullets his header into the back of the net. And who should have been with him? Tavernier. I mean, a 36-year-old Scott Brown who has legs are absolutely past it manages to get past Tavernier in defence. Again, piss-poor marking. Really shocking, Derek, as you say. This is a this is a absolute pish Aberdeen team, and we were making that you know that it was just so amateurish the defending. How can you let anybody? I mean, we saw him running for like miles away, Derek. It's no, it's exactly as you said. The guy's thirty six. He's really you know he slowed right down for the fact that he was allowed just to jog in for the edge of the box and, you know, absolutely un- unmarked. Fair play to him with a header. It was a, it was a bu- bullet a header. There's nothing but McLaughlin c- could have done about that. But the standard of marking is absolute. It was just amateur hour, wasn't it? Absolutely shocking. And then, I mean, it could have went from just yes. disaster to absolute implosion. Yeah. Because we could have been 3-0 down two minutes later. Because they had another great chance, Aberdeen, knocking the ball about our defence. Should have had a shot earlier, but ended up having a shot from the left side. And it was a weak effort and a comfortable diamond save from McLaughlin. As I said, it should have been 3-0. Yep. I think it was Aberdeen maybe just being completely in shock. The fact that they were exactly, you know, so yeah. far ahead and so far up the park and getting nosebleeds. But that was atrocious from Rangers once yeah. again there. I had texted you at that point, Derek, to say that should be three. And I was absolutely distraught at that point. And... I think the thing that made it more distraught for me, Derek, was the occasion of this game. Any one of us Rangers fans out there would have, you know, given anything to be a part of the team that was playing that night because of what happened with Walter Smith, you know, really going for it at 100%. And it just looked as if the attitude of the players out there was just completely lacking. And I was just, I was so upset at that point, really annoyed really pissed off at that stage we just didn't look up for it and we just looked a complete shambles and there was absolutely no no need for it and every single player at that point really deserved a, a boot up the arse in the changing rooms but thankfully after that we started to play again but up to that stage we just looked completely amateurish yeah so then we managed to pull the goal back on the 20th minute with Morella scoring it was an outstanding deep free kick from the right by Tavernier to the back post and Morelis heads it in with a great header. It was an outstanding delivery, great header. I've need to see it back, but apparently there's major questions about it. it shouldn't have been a free kick in the first place. It did look soft, Derek, but I'm really not caring <laughs> because I, don't, <laughs> I, I don't, don't make apologies for these things, Derek, with the amount of things that have gone against us in, in the past. I never do. Uh, but as you say, finally Tav steps up Puts, puts in a great ball and just like I said in the last game when we get when we get half decent balls in, into the box we're going to score goals and that was a fantastic delivery and a great header by by Morelos to, to, to bring us back into the game and just we, we were hoping at that stage that we would just go on and punish Aberdeen because they're pish Derek Aberdeen are pish 
They really have. They have been all season. They've been a laughing stock. They've been, defensively, they've been an absolute shambles. And I thought, surely we've got enough here to go and at least get the equaliser before half time and then punish them in the second half. That's what I was really hoping at that point. Yeah. And then with a bulk of the possession and chances for the rest of the half, and I think we had nine corners and a number of decent shots deflected wide. Our best chance after that came in the 42nd minute with a superb corner from the right by Tavenier, right to the centre, finds the header Golson with a bullet header and an incredible diving save from the keeper to turn it around the post and out for the corner. So that's how the, the first half ended. We needed a lot better at half-time and a complete attitude change because it wasn't good enough in the slightest. However, we were rank rotten in the second <sighs> half. For being a goal down, we've shown really very little impetus going forward. Quite happy to knock the ball back from side to side, back to back. You know, it was just absolutely piss poor. Lundstrom came off, Arfield came on the 61st minute. 77th minute, Aribo and Roof came off, Sakala and Wright came on. And... Fortunately, we got a penalty decision for us on the 80th minute where it was a long ball floated into the box. Sakala bundled over and he's having his shirt pulled as well by David Bates. For me, again, it was another clear penalty. We've had things like that not given for us before, so I really don't care anymore. People just are going to, anytime Rangers get a penalty, whether they've seen it or not, they just think, oh, that's yeah. typical Mason referees. And, and I'm, I'm sick to death yet, Dave. I really am. No, it was, Derek. And, you know, David Bates had been at that all night. You know, the amount of shirt pulling that he had in, in the box that was going unnoticed by the referee was incredible. You could see it quite clearly in the TV. He was really lucky that he never got in anything else against him. And uh, thankfully, at, at this point, the referee had spotted it because, you know, it had happened so, so many times before that that was actually given. So great impact by Sakala when he came on getting the penalty and giving us the chance to get back in and, uh, you know, get the game level. Yeah. So up steps Tavernier. Roof was off the park at this point. He looked nervous to me, but on the 81st minute, he hits it to the left mid-height of the keeper. The keeper dives the right way, but it was hit too well and too well placed as well. And scores his 50th goal for Rangers and it made it two each as well. Yep. The man who we have been having a go at, Derek, who uh, set up one goal and scored the second goal in the game. But, <laughs> you know, it's uh, so uh, he did play a big part in the outcome of the game. He'd make sure that we weren't going to get beat, uh, but still not the, the level that we're expecting him to play. And that's how the game ended up as well. So I know what you're saying about Tavernier and, and things like that, about you know the fact that in a couple of games he's set up one, scored one, set up two, whatever. And that's what got him through not last season, but the season before. Season before, yeah. His stats were great. But see, when you've got games like this, when you're needing them to put in a performance in terms of hitting a high number of crosses that find their men, and it doesn't happen, and he makes mistakes at the back, then that's when he's a liability. And we're not doubting that Tavernier and Goldson are good players. It's when they don't show, they really don't show, and they're worse than a man down. And then when they make mistakes, it's a complete liability. Tavernier's crossing last night was absolutely diabolical it was never finding its man and that's the big problem and it's maybe highlighted more because there's no inventiveness in the middle of the park the, the, the players seem to go to pieces and I don't know if it's from the management but you know all they keep doing is try to get down the wing cross it into nobody get down the wing cross it into nobody rather than try to vary it and going direct 
that's where the change in fullbacks, I think, is, is, is very important, Derek, because if every team knows last season we were getting the ball out to Tavernier and getting the ball out to Barisic, they were managing to find some space and, and put some, some good balls in, into the box. So it's not happening this season. So why not change it up? I know that he played Bassey, who I actually think had quite a de- decent game yesterday, Derek. Him and Patterson are completely different fullbacks to Tav and Barisic. The two of them like to get in behind the defenders. They like to get to the byline, you know, get in, in, into the box. And that's where utilising the two of them could completely change the way, you know, that, that, that we play rather than playing it out to the wing to get balls in, into the box. Patterson's fantastic at doing it if you watch him. The way that he times his run going forward to stay on side but then just get in front of the defender, you know, to, to burst in, in, into the box for, for the cutback. We were talking about that before. I think the game was crying out for that, to be perfectly honest with you. I think that would have really undone Aberdeen was having a player like uh, Patterson in there to unlock that in the final third, but the manager didn't see it. And I know we're all we're all, we're all experts when we're sitting watching it on the TV, Derek, but I do think that we are very one-dimensional and other teams have maybe figured that out. So... Again, that's where we should maybe be thinking about making a wee change there. Is it a change of style of play going forward? Yeah. So in the table, we've played 11, won 7, drawn 3, lost 1, scored 19, conceded 10, goal difference plus 9, and we're on 24 points. We're top of the table, two ahead of Celtic, three ahead of Hearts and Dundee United, who both drew as well last night, were nine ahead of Hibs. So... Dave, we were talking just a wee bit after we'd done the, the the post-match pod last night. I mean, we're top of the league. That's the first round of fixtures done. We haven't been at our best. No. I, f- I fully appreciate that there are issues in the team just now. And for folk telling me to get my head out of the sand, they clearly don't listen to any of our podcasts, to be honest, because we are very critical of the team this season. They are not playing well at all. We are scraping victories at times. We're getting draws when we should be winning games from last-minute yep. goals. Last night was a disgrace, especially given the, the occasion it the was occasion. as well. Yep. However, I think there's a lot of hysteria going on just now, I think, with Rangers. And this is why I find it absolutely hilarious when people say, oh, this next game is a vital game for us. Oh, then we get through that one. Oh, this next game is a vital game for us. I wish people would understand we are Rangers. Every single game is a vital game. It doesn't matter if we're playing bottom of the table or the, the second of the table or the top of the table. It really doesn't matter who we're playing. I think we're top of the league. Granted, Celtic haven't been playing well. They've started to find their form. They've gone on a five-game winning streak. But quite frankly, I don't give a shit what they are doing. I care about what we are doing. Right now, we are not good enough. We've had a few results that have went our way and a few results that have looked worse than they, they, they are because it's only been one goal. As I said to you, there was a lot of results like that last year. I think some people need to calm down a wee bit. Everything is not doom and gloom. And maybe it's just me, I'm maybe a more optimist when it comes to, to a lot of Rangers fixtures. I like to see ways out of things. People are already saying, oh, Gerrard should be questioning his position now if he doesn't win this league. And if Celtic are having their worst start for 20 years, then what the hell are we having? Well, we're top of the league. And granted, it won't stay that way for long if we don't arrest the situation right now and stop it. But I think people need to calm down. It's 11 games into the season we're top of the league. 
I know that only counts for something in part. However, there's 27 more games to go. Form comes and goes throughout a season. And I think people need to park last year. Last year was the exception. Records were broken for a reason last year because it was an exception. Records are not broken every single year because they're records for a reason, because they are the exception, not the norm. Last year was last year. Think about this year. Absolutely, things need to change, but I think people need to calm down a bit. Derek, I've, I've said it already. Key players for me not just for individual performances, but the balance of the team. I keep keep going on about the balance of the team all the time. And it is on the the, the left-hand side of our team that we were struggling with with that balance. I know that Tab's been off for him, but the left-hand side from Barisic into the midfield. And then, obviously, it starts there with with Hellander on the left-hand side, or back to Barisic going up front towards Ryan Kent. I honestly believe, Derek, and you know, people can come back at the end of the season and, and tell me if I'm wrong or not, but even we, we strongly miss Ryan Kent up front. I keep saying it. We strongly miss Hillander at the back big time. I mean, that was our common influence at the back there. It annoys me when people talk about uh, Hillander and, and say, oh, he's not got any pace. Hillander's a phenomenal defender. He is, you know, like I said, he's the one that calms everything all down. There's no nonsense. His brain is switched on all the time. There's not very many attackers can get the better of uh, Philip Hillander. It was encouraging to see him out uh, when the rest of the players were training. I don't know how far far away he is. He's a a huge miss for us. When he comes back, that will you know, be fantastic for the team. But getting Ryan Kent back for going forward, Derek, I honestly don't think anybody appreciates what he does for our team as well up front. And opposition players are terrified of him when he's running at us. And that's what we've been missing as well up front, Derek. Somebody to run at a defender. And no, no, nobody does it better in Scotland than Ryan Kent. So... Get these players back. I think Kent's really uh, close to coming back. Get him back in the team as quick as quickly as possible, even if he's not f- f- fully fit. Because, like I said, the balance is, is totally off. Get him back in, and I think you'll see a we'll see a huge difference in the team. We we, we need to start scoring more, more than two goals, Derek. That's you know that's a huge thing for us. We're getting one goal, two goals, but we're not finishing teams off, and it's guys like him that can do that. So. Uh, I really hope he's back soon. I mean, everybody keeps saying about Ken and Jack. Now, yeah, they're, they're big misses, especially Jack, I would have said. However, I don't think they're the main issue because you've seen from heart, the first half <clears> of Hearts, this same team, because the last four games have been largely unchanged, one and two changes. That's what we've been asking for. The first half against Hearts was amazing. It was the the best we've seen us all yep. season. They came out and played pish the second half. That is an attitude thing. That is not a player thing. It's the same with the Bronby game. It was a not an outstanding performance, but it was a great performance in terms of the fact that we played, that we dominated the game for both halves as well. Again, that was down to the exact same players. But I then we went out against St Mirren and played shit. So it's an attitude thing with the players. I think, though, Derek, when you know that you've got a player like Ryan Kent up front, the rest of the team know that he can pull something out of the bag. And right now, I don't think any of the players think that, you know, we've got players that can do that. 
I think Hadji's been poor this season. I think, you know, but by his standards, Aribo's been poor this season, the, the, the odd game there. I, I, I honestly, again, we, we, we can come back in a few, a, a few months' time and say, Dave, you were talking shite. I honestly think the whole team's attitude will change when we've got Ryan Kent fully fit again up front playing on the left-hand side, but on, only time will tell. Two players I'm going to highlight here, Dave. Now, we're not free-flowing just now when it comes to scoring goals. As you said, I think two goals is the maximum we've scored in most of the games. When it comes to scoring, we're not free-flowing at all. And when you've got a player coach, Jermaine Defoe, is nowhere to be seen when it comes to game time. Or rather, right. he, is, he is seen. He's seen in London in the Sky Sports panel covering the bloody West Ham Tottenham game when we were playing St Murn. Uh, granted, he's 39 years old. Granted, he's going into coaching. I get that. But if he's on the wage as a player also, then surely someone who has a proven record, he can score for fun in our league, even in his advancing years, surely he should be at least on the bench, given some game time, given our lack of goals just now. He's also just bought a house up here, apparently, with his fiance. So I don't think he's going anywhere soon yeah. unless he's using it for a holiday home. So... I know he's 39, I know he's not the answer, but at the same time, when we're not free-scoring goals, we need we need to change that way. And another player I want to mention as well is, I know he's only 19, he's in the B team, he's not long came into the squad. <laughs> I'm so glad that you're bringing this up, Derek, because I was going to speak about it as well, but fire away. Yes, Juan Allegria. He scored a hat-trick last night in the, the B team in the cup game against Aloha. I don't know, I, I was having a look at his stats there and I know he's not played a lot of game time but again, I think one of the massive failings of Steven Gerrard's time is that we seem to have bought a hell of a lot of youngsters and I know that they need to have game time in the, the lower leagues and the, the B team to get up to the first team but level. <laughs> However, nobody seems to be coming through now. We've had yeah. a, a lot of players go, a lot of talented <clears throat> players like Nathan Young Coombs. You've had Dapo Mabudi going, not a sniff of the, the, the first team when it really matters. There's a huge difference with this guy, though, Derek. This guy hasn't not played first team football in a league. Granted, he was playing in, in the Finnish league, but he was playing every week, Derek, and he was scoring goals in a, you know, a professional league in Europe. Don't get me wrong, not as good as the Scottish League, but dare I say, I bet you there's some teams in Finland that could beat half the teams that are in the Premier League in Scotland just now. I, I would put money on that. But he's a guy who hasn't been playing in like a youth team somewhere. He's actually been playing first-team football in Finland exactly the same as what Alfredo Morelos was. Exactly the same. He has been playing up front, just to the left-hand side, scoring goals for there. Again, the position that we're crying out for. We've bought him for a reason. We've paid money for him for a reason. I know that he, I think he was out and injured there for quite a few weeks. But as you say, he came back last night. I think it's maybe only second game back. Scored a hat-trick in the cup against Aloha away from home. So, you know, why not get the guy even into the squad? Bring him on. You know, we fit 15 minutes to go to get, get him bedded into the first team. But he certainly sounds like a real prospect, Derek. And 
you know, I'm I, I'm sure the, the the management I've got a close eye on him, and certainly I'm scoring those goals last night. I've done him the world of good because there's been a hell of a lot of people have been talking about him, and I think we're just all, all de- desperate to see another young shining light come through. And he certainly looks as if he could be the one to do it. I just I, I know that Gerard's got this thing about you know they they don't get a place on the bench just because there's a place spare. They they have to earn it, and I get that. But there comes a point when I was looking back the the, the, the last four games there, all we've had is recognised strikers is Ruth Morelis and Sakala. Now, apart from the Hearts game, Morelis started up front himself. Ruth was on, Sakala were on the bench. And then for the last three games, it's been Ruth and Morelis up front, the starting lineup, And the only recognised striker on the bench is Sakala, like out-and-out striker. So... You've got fans moaning that they don't think Sakala is the answer. Again, he's never been given a lot of game time. He's always came on as a sub. However, if they're complaining about that Sakala's not the answer, well then where's our strike force coming from if Morelis and Roof are not getting the goals? We need more options. And yeah. right now we don't have them because you bloody sent it now on, on loan as well. So it's a position that we've been struggling for for a while, I think, and we got away with it last year because Morelis didn't need to score a lot of goals because the whole team were scoring goals, yeah. and that's not happened this year. We're going back to having to, like the season beforehand, having to rely on one player making a difference. It can't be the case now. We need to start scoring, and again, the, the, the defensive issues are one issue, but if we're not scoring, then we can't win games. No, you're completely right there, Derek. We were relying on lots of players scoring. We were relying on the likes of Aribo step up. I mean, I know he's done it the odd occasion that this season, but not to the standard he was last year. You know, we were looking all all, all over the team. You know, Hadji. We were even bringing in guys like Brandon Barker, who would come up with a goal, he won a game as well. You know, but it's just not happening. But we're not bringing in players to do that. We were hoping that Hadji was do it as well, but it's, it's not happening for him either, Derek. So, aye, it's, it's, it's worrying. But I, I really hope that this young guy does get a chance soon, because I just have a wee feeling that we, we might have something special there. So, but we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. So the next games we've got coming up are Sunday the 31st of October is away against Motherwell in the Premiership. That's a midday kickoff. Thursday the 4th of November it's away against Ron Bay. That's in the Europa League Group A Game 4. It's a 17.45 kickoff. Sunday the 7th of November it's at home against Ross County in the Premiership. That's a 1500 kickoff. And then, Dave, it seems like it's never ending. We've got another international break the following weekend. Fortunately, it's the last two for, uh, for God knows how long because yeah. that's the last two qualifiers Scotland have got and then the next game is Sunday the 21st of November at home against Hibs in the Premiership at 1600 kickoff. just obviously in relation to Hibs that shows you I mean the fact that they're nine points behind us and they were rivaling us matching us along with Hearts yeah. shows you how quickly form can change so this is exactly. why yep. this is why I'm concerned but I'm not doom and gloom like a lot of people, so we'll just need to wait and see what's what's coming up in the yeah. near future. Hopefully a lot better anyway. Yeah, get, surely things can only get better, Derek, so just uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. So, now we'll go into a special classic match. And then it is! The final whistle's gone! Rangers have won the European so Dave, you've picked out a few games and it's uh, in, in tribute to Walter Smith, isn't it? Yeah, thought we would do something a wee bit different this week. Derek, I'm not going to delve too deep, deeply into the games, but I thought 
there's been so many t- t- tributes. All you've got to do is look on so- social media. A big shout out as well to the Rangers media team, Derek, who made up a very emotional video about Walter Smith. I thought it was absolutely spectacular. I had a, a you know a tear in my eye when when I watched it. It was beautifully done. It, it captured everything you know about him and about what he meant to Rangers and his achievements. If you've not, I mean, I'm sure the vast majority of Rangers fans out there have seen it, but if you've not, please go and watch it. They've done a, a, a great job. But look, looking at that uh, video, Derek, I thought, you know, the amount of games that stand out that we all remember and we will remember for the rest rest of our lives when we think about Walter being the manager. And I spoke to a lot of guys at work and guys that are older than me that have been watching Rangers for a long time. And I came up instantly with five games in my head. It was instant. It was it was easy, easy peasy. And I spoke to different guys and I said to them, you know, what games do you remember that, that stick out in your head? And, you know, the vast majority of the guys I spoke to all, you know, just about said the same games that I did. So what I've done, Derek, is I've got a wee list. I've sat and I've I watched a, a, a lot of them back and I read a lot of the match reports about them just to, to refresh my memory. But I really didn't have to because they're ingrained in in my memory, uh, you know. And the, the, the first game I've got, I've got to pick, which was massive, and it was a game that Walter himself described as his greatest ever win as a Rangers manager. And looking back, we've we, we probably all disagreed, you know, just the way that we all think about it. But the game that he was talking about was, you know, only his fourth game in charge as the Rangers manager. And it was the title decider uh, on the 30th of April 1991. Now, I was privileged enough to be at the game myself. And I'll always remember it. And, of course, it was the day that we played Aberdeen at Ibrox and we won 2-0 to clinch three in a row. Now, like I said, Graham Soonis left. All the Rangers fans were all in absolute shock. But at that point, all the players were all, you know, Adamant and, and and fully supportive of Walter when he was given the the the, the manager's job. I think all the, the the fans were as well because we all knew that you know he was, you know the 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 next man up as it be, and uh, a massive game for him, you know to to take over. And in the game itself, you know the the, the influence he had when you you know you listen back, it was a great interview by Nigel Spackman. Uh, who gave a he gave a fantastic tribute, and it, it was Spackman that he made captain that day because inf- influential players missing Richard Goff, Stuart Monroe, he had Ali McCoyst and Ian Durant on the bench who were both injured, but he apparently spoke to the two of them and said, you know, if things are going south, I need guys that can really get the the, the crowd lifted, and that's the reason that I'm putting the two of you on the bench, even even although that the, the two of you aren't a hundred percent. He was all, all already thinking about what would happen, how what reaction he could get from the supporters to try and lift the team if things weren't going well. Thankfully, we ran out two 0 winners thanks to two fantastic goals by Mark Hately. But even going back, John Brown de- desperate to play for him, pain killing injections. He was told that if he played, there was a good chance his hamstring was going to snap, but he wasn't going to he wasn't going to miss it. And a lot of that was down to Walter, and of course. Monumental moment, you know. I'm, I'm getting his first league title, and the start, you, you know, the start of him on, you know, you know, the journey getting us nine in a row. 
you know, winning the three in a row. Absolutely massive game. I'll always remember that game. Every eye now on the referee. The ball is out of play. Waiting to see if Brian McGinley will bring this match to an end and make it formally Rangers Championship. There it is. Rangers have won the championship. The next game after that, again, this is one. But the one that I would pro- probably say was the greatest ever victory that I've seen, and that was the absolutely incredible night that Rangers went, travelled down south and played the English Champions League, Leeds United, in the Champions League qualifier, 1992. It was the 4th of November, and of course, we got that incredible win, and this was a team that Walter put together with mostly Scottish players, Derek. This was the team, and I know for a fact that, that Walter used the negative press that, that Rangers got from the English media down there who basically gave us absolutely no chance. Of course, we'd beaten Leeds 2-1 two, two, at Ibrox, but Rangers were given no chance by the English media and Walter absolutely loved that. And, you know, it had the drummed into the players' heads that we were told that we weren't good enough. And, of course, we went down, scored my favourite Rangers goal of all time, you know, that incredible move, you know, that we've seen so so many times before, the one-touch play from the back, leading out to Ian Duran, out to Mark Cately in the wing, he put in the first-time deep cross to Ali McCoy with a diving header, it was absolutely sensational, it completely silenced Ellen Road, there was no Rangers fans in there, you know, and then Rangers held on some incredible gutsy defensive performances there, fantastic by, by Andy Gorham, but that is what was instilled by Walter Smith, Derek, wasn't it? That's what we all remember, it was this ruggedness, this never-say-die attitude, at the, you know, especially in defence, last-ditch defending, you know, all b- b- backs against the wall and, and managing to get, get away in these huge, huge games, and that's a game that I'll always remember, it was just absolutely sensational. Durant challenging for it, it breaks to Hitley. Oh, and Hitley has scored a sensational goal for Rangers, two and a half minutes gone, and Mark Hitley with a mighty shot which gave Lukic no chance whatsoever. Oh, an incredible strike by Mark Hitley, his ninth goal of the season, his second in the European Cup. What a start to this game. At the other end, Cantona looks as if he's going to score. What a strike by Mark Hitley here, gave Lukic absolutely no chance. Turns, whips in a great left-footed shot, a dream start for Rangers. Challenge going in there from McCall. There goes the final whistle. Leeds United 1, Rangers 2. Rangers go into the Champions League. A great night in the history of Rangers. The next game that I can remember after that, and it wasn't a classic Derek, but just again, down to Walter Smith being able to change it at the right time. And it was a crucial match for Rangers when they played Celtic at Ibrox on the 2nd of January 1997. Rangers team decimated with injuries. And again, this was a this, this was a, a trademark of Walter Smith being able to put together a makeshift team in huge matches and still get the results. I mean, it must have been an inspirational, the, the, you know, the way that he got the team 
organised at the back, but you know, we had no Richard Goff, we had no Brian Loudrop, we were playing players all out, out of position. We had managed to, to take the lead against Celtic, but Celtic absolutely pummeled us in, in, into the second half. They got the, 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 the equaliser, things weren't going well, and then Walter thought, right, I need to change it, and he made the incredible decision to bring on the the second most famous Danish player to play for Rangers and Eric Bo Anderson. And he basically came on and changed the game, scored two, two goals. Rangers won 3-1 and that was pivotal. I know it was only the, in, in January, but, but Celtic were, were really going for it at that stage and that really dented their confidence big time going forward. Another break on here. Can Rangers really wrap it up? It's Eric Bo Anderson again. And no wonder Walter Smith embroiled himself in the celebration. He has taken the game totally away from Celtic. It's 3-1. Going on to the next game in the same season, Derek, and that was the season that we managed to do it. Walter's greatest achievement, and that was when we clinched nine in a row in that huge match at Tannadice with the chance to clinch it the week before at Ibrox and we ended up we didn't win that game it came down to the game at Tannadice against Dundee United and you know he managed to get the team to go out and of course Brian Loudrop scoring that incredible goal memorable goal that we'll all remember that powerful diving header that bulleted it into the top corner greatest achievement I'm sure for Walter something that we'll always always remember him doing we'll always be thankful of him getting us nine in a row Derek it's something that will live with us for the rest rest of our lives well, United would like to end their home effort with at least a draw it's too late now the moment belongs to Rangers Walter Smith Archie Knox and Paul Gascoigne in a huddle there Tommy McLean extends his congratulations, but the season again belongs to Rangers. They've been good champions once again, the ninth time in a row. And Walter Smith took over in April 1991, won the championship that season, has done so every season. He's been in charge, and yet, remarkably, we still have one or two people doubting him. But the celebrations now begin in earnest. United leave the field. Respectfully, the stage is left to Rangers. The chant around the stadium is nine in a row. And Walter Smith's reaction right on the final whistle was truly amazing. For one so normally so calm. There was the reaction. The man has won the title again. But then, as we all know, Walter left Rangers and you know that's when we got Dick Advocate and and, and that and he, he became the Everton manager and then they helped out in Manchester United and then got the Scotland post and then he had the opportunity to come back Rangers were in complete disarray after Paul Le Guin couldn't get any wins going and you know they had you know the opportunity to go and approach Walter of course he said he couldn't t- turn it down and instantly changed the fortunes of Rangers Derek and it wasn't like it was before where he had millions to spend on players he had a, a, a budget but he still went out he got 
a group of players that he knew were going to work incredibly hard for him, getting them totally organised, and it was just fantastic, wasn't it? You know, and one of the, the the biggest results of the you know the next game that I'm going to go into was a, a Champions League game against the French champions who were top of the league, and of course that was Lyon. An incredible night in Europe, you know, a European away night that we'll always remember when we absolutely hammered the French champions three 0 Absolutely incredible. Big Lee McCulloch, you know, a, a favourite player, uh, Walter Smith, just because he, you know, a type of player he was, big, hard working, never given up. There, there wasn't anything flashy about Lee McCulloch, he was just big and powerful. He got the first goal, and big Daniel Cousin got the second goal, and then, of course, early into the second half, Demarcus Beasley running through beating the offside trap, slotting the ball past the goalkeeper. It was just a tremendous night. It put Rangers back in there. Everybody was focusing on us. An incredible night for Rangers. And again, a night that we'll always remember. He got us to the UEFA Cup final in Manchester. And, you know, after some incredible, incredible run, in that same season, I think that that though was the the top performance of that when we were in the Champions League. Definitely, you know, getting to the the UEFA Cup final, it wasn't to be, unfortunately. But just even to get there was an incredible achievement. Again, the Rangers fans, you know, that the, the travelled down, I'll, I'll, I'll always remember that night as well. And then the final game I've got, Derek, which is one of the most bizarre games that I've ever witnessed as a Rangers supporter, was the cup final against St Mirren, 21st of the 3rd, 2010. And what an absolutely bizarre game this was. As we know, Rangers playing the game, one man sent off, then another man sent off, down to nine men, going in, <laughs> into the second half and Walter still managing to get a performance out of those nine players to make them raise their game and actually score when we only had nine men and hold out and win the cup with nine men. That is just, it's absolutely sensational. It should never have happened, Derek. But again, Walter Smith getting the best out of his players and I think that's what he done best, getting the best out of players who weren't superstars, Derek. They were hard-working players that gave their all for the jersey and I think that's what we loved the most about Walter Smith. He did have superstars in his team and the likes of Brian Loudsup and George Alberts and Paul Gascoigne. But what he did with your sort of ordinary run-of-the-mill players in Scotland was turn them into fantastic players that that all the fans absolutely adored after that. And that was just a prime example. So It's away by Weir, who's been terrific for them again. Carey. And it goes into the mix. Thompson. Away by McCulloch. It's all over. A quite extraordinary achievement, this. Absolutely amazing. Utterly incredible. Kenny Miller has won the League Cup for Rangers, even though they finished with nine men. And the three wise men at the helm celebrate an extraordinary triumph. That's the games that spring to mind for me, Derek. I'm sure you agree, you know, that the vast majority of the games, even if you were a, a lot younger, it's still games that you know all about by watching old clips and watching YouTube and stuff like that. It's just great memories to have, and I just hope I've done 
Walter the you, you know the tribute and the credit that, that, that he deserves. These games will live with me f- for the rest of my life, and I'm sure a vast majority of Rangers fans out there as well. And if, and I'm sure there's games I've missed out there, but these were the games to me that just I instantly thought of when I thought about Walter Smith being the manager of Rangers. I mean, you could have picked out one of a couple of hundred games, to be honest, Dave, yes. and it would have been still just as as poignant as well. I mean, the the Aberdeen game where we won three in a row, I was really too young to understand that, but yeah. you know, the fact that it was his what, fourth game in charge, yes. he said, I mean, yes. that's just, what an incredible pressure, and they came through the, that with flying exactly. colours. Exactly, yep. Um, the Leeds game, just I was slightly too young. I'd, I got into oh. football at the... the into that actual tournament, I remember us playing Bruges and Marseille, um, so I never really remembered the Leeds game, but I've, I've stayed here to Mark Hately and I've, I've seen him on occasion in the, the local Tesco's and I've always meant to go up to him and say thank you for, for, for that goal, but um, just incredible time there, you know, the 3-1 game against Celtic, the, the, the Bo Anderson game, as I think it's affectionately yes. going to remember, is you forget that that was also the, the Alberts free kick game as well, That's correct. Yep. Andy Gorham was just incredible that game as well yep. um, it's just, I, I think that is the celebration with Walter it was the first time you, and maybe one of the only times you've seen Walter completely lose it when Eric Bo Anderson's second goal went in, you've seen him celebrating with the fans and just running about like a maddie at the touchline, um, the the nine in a row game, Dundee United, really speaks for itself as well. Yep. We all know where we were when that happened. And then, as you said, the the, the Leon game just is mind boggling. I mean, French champions at the time. At that time, certainly nobody goes to France and, and, and does and that. The, and they were presently top of the French league as well, Derek, when when we played them. So, the, you know, yeah. they, they, they were bang, bang on for them. And uh, I mean, that was just an incredible season. That season, Derek, considering, you know, that we never won the league it's a season that we'll always look look, look back on you know the, the way that it panned out some incredible results in the Champions League getting to the Euro the UEFA Cup final as well you know we, we had the chance to do the quadruple Derek when could you ever think a Rangers supporter saying that we had a realistic chance of getting the quadruple we were you know one ga- game away for, for, you, you know that that Cup final, and I'm sure if we'd have won the UEFA Cup final, we would have went on and won the league. We all know what happened in the background, Derek. We got no favours whatsoever for for the powers that be, which she should have been bending over backwards to help us. And uh, and Europe, the amount of injuries and suspensions, and the injuries just kept piling on and piling on at that stage of the season because of the amount of matches that we'd actually played. But Walter still made it work, Derek. Even where a patched up team, he still made it work. He still got the best out of every single one of the players. I think that's just what I what, what will always remember from him. Yeah, I mean, the the memories are endless for him because he's gave us so much and. Yeah. I really Go don't know what what else to say about that, Dave. Yeah, I just hope, as but, I say, Derek, that's the that's the sort of wee t- t- tribute I had to him. I, I hope I've done him justice. I hope the Rangers fans out there that, that listen to the pod agree with me. I know there are several other games. The, the you, you know the Marseille game, home, home and away. As you say, Derek, we, we could talk about another hundred games, but uh, to me, those were the sort of six games that instantly popped into my head when I think of Walter Smith, and then, of course, finishing off with that incredible cup final where we were down to nine men. If, if, if you could sum up Walter Smith in a game, 
a football for Rangers. That was the game for me. Do, do you not think, Derek? Just sheer determination and to get the best out of nine men and still managed to score. You know, it, it was not the fact that we'd scored and we were hang, hanging on with nine men. We actually scored when we only had nine men on the park. I just ab- absolutely mind-boggling, sensational stuff. And just, again, it's a, it, it's a game that will live, live with me for the rest of my life, that one. Yeah. So we'll move on now and we will go to the news. Right, quite a few bits of pieces to get through in the news as ever. Douglas Park has won his second victory in court over the SPFL. Round a month or two ago, he won an injunction to halt the arbitration process the SPFL and the SFA were going to set up over the cinch deal as, as it was deemed that he was an interested party and he was completely left out of the whole process. The SPFL appealed and now they've lost the appeal. So they initially lost something because they never went as as part of their own rules and then they still ignore their rules and they, they lost that as well. So an yeah. absolute shambles yep. and more proof that the SPFL are not fit for purpose. Yep. I don't know where it leaves the whole process and the situation now, to be honest. I'm sure there'll be more legal issues, but we'll, we'll see how that is. But certainly, yeah. again, it's shown that we've got a very strong case and I'm pretty sure yep. we've got all our ducks in a row with this one. Yep. More court issues as well, though, because the Crown Office has paid out over £35 million of taxpayers' money over prosecutions related to the Rangers' takeover case. It appears to be compensation and expenses absolutely disgraceful, yeah. and even more so, yet again, nobody has been sacked or resigned, and it seems to be a habit of SNP government and the, the, the SNP-led bodies as well. You know, if that was anybody in private sector, they would have yeah. been out in their arse a long ago. Why nobody can be sacked or resigned from their post is beyond belief, isn't it? Yep, absolutely incredible, Derek. It, it really is beyond belief. We've spoke about it before, and it's still still going on. But as you quite rightly said, Derek, that's the the, the way it seems to be with the current government, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll move on before this gets more of a political <laughs> rant. Um, Next thing here is there was a meeting of Club 1872 members at Ibrox on the 18th of October there. Not that anybody would have known because communication was poor, as it always seems to be. Um, They claimed that members were sent emails, uh, but it doesn't appear to have happened, according to a lot of members as well. There was also an opportunity as well to meet the the Rangers, uh, some of the Rangers executive board for a QA and a afterwards as well. Heart and Hand had more of an update on, on this one because one of their podders went along as he's a member of Club 1872. Only around 24 members in attendance. Uh, they outlined some of the things that they were planning on doing. Some half-truths as well from um, around contributor numbers to their membership as well. Uh, monthly members have fallen, but they claimed it was actually up, but they were actually counting one-off legacy members as part of their, their, their membership, which is completely no, false. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rangers have, you know, in their Q&A and from what's came round from the Club 1872 meeting as well, have said that there's no relationship between Rangers and Club 1872 now. It appears it's largely due to the, the current board members and the this broke down around 15 months ago, which is absolutely fucking atrocious. Club 1872 have admitted no wrongdoing whatsoever on any of the issues that have been raised, and they're stating that Reverend Macquarie's comments were a complete smear campaign. So, I mean, I, I don't know where 
what what to say about this <laughs> one here because I think my fears were have been completely vindicated. That's the reason why, and I've said this before, it's the reason why I pulled my membership out when it transferred from Rangers First to the merger between Rangers First and the the Rangers Trust as well. It's a shambles right from the start. This is the problem with Rangers fan base as a whole. Is and it's the, the old cliche: you could have ten Rangers fans on a desert island, and you would have eleven Rangers supporters clubs by the end of the day. Fan ownership is for me, uh, or fan representation is an absolute pipe dream because nobody can agree. There's always going to be people that turn around and say they don't represent me, they don't speak for me, and that's just the way it's always going to be with a fan base our size and who um, have such strong views on things. And if the views on our performances and how we're going to lose the league are anything to go by, when it comes to the governance of our club. If it ever got to that place, I would actually fear for it because nobody can agree. The idea in principle is fantastic, Derek. You know, we, we all w- would love that. That would be our ultimate goal. But you're quite right. It's, you know, everybody is against everybody else. And it's it's quite a sad state that we've managed to, to get ourselves in. You would think that if there was a genuine large group of Rangers fans that were committed, you know, to, to go out, to, to represent the fans, to try and get a, a large stake in, in, in the club that we would be doing it all. We would all be singing for the same hymn sheet. But as you say, there is so much in fighting. There are so many different factions that don't get on with each other that it's it's actually quite incredible. It's, it's actually quite laughable when you think about it because there's other huge clubs that around the world can all manage to do it. But unfortunately here at Rangers, there are just so many people that don't agree with, with, with everybody else on the, the the governance of the club and how it should move forward. And it's it's actually quite sad, Derek, when when you think about it, because really, with the size of the fan base we've got, we could make a huge difference if everybody would just agree to you know to go, to go down a certain path. But like you, I think it's it's never going to happen. No, I mean from day one, whenever you asked questions of it, it was a case of are you a member? You know, I was always questioning you. Are you a member? You're not entitled to know this. But join up and be a membership. Your thoughts forward. I was like, well, no, that's not the point. If you want me to be a member, you need to give me the information first. Yeah. You don't just blindly sign up for stuff. At the end of the day, you're part. You're wanting my money, so you need to give me the information before I sign up. And now, when you ask stuff, it's still the exact same. And when they were going through the whole EGM thing um, last month or two months ago. All you were getting when you were asking questions is, well, tell you what, you you sign up to be a member, you run for a board position, then you can affect change there. And do you know what's actually frightening about that is you get the same absolute shit from certain supporters of an independence movement from one political party. It's the same th- shit. Well, you, if you think you can do better, then you go and do it. That's no what it's all about, you know. It's it's, it's a poor man's argument that, and it, it kind of just shows you that the, the the supporters of the the current stance of it have have not got any answers to the questions you you want, and I think they know deep down they're on the back foot. So it's something that's that's concerning considering they've got a, a a big tranche of shares, but and obviously the fact that they were able to buy Mike Ashley's shares that will be something that you know. Will be forever grateful for them for, but at the same time, it's it's fans that have led that, not the the, the actual board itself. So it's just sad, Derek, that it's that they've it's not been able to work, and we can't get enough people all on board. You know, all agreeing to the same thing because 
like I said before, it could make a huge, huge difference with the size of support that we've got. We should be able to make a huge difference. And because there's so many people that can't agree with everyone else and think it should be governed a, a, a certain way, it's just no, it's just not going to happen. However, the actual meeting with the Rangers directors was a lot more positive. There was a lot in it, I'm not going to get into it uh, in, in depth, but the main thing that I've taken from it is that they're looking into lowering the pitch to add another 6,000 seats. However, apparently that they've got the confines of doing this as uh, it would need to be done in the closed season uh, are a major restriction to that. So I'm really not sure why they can't you you know make a deal with the SFA and use Hamden for the, the time being, uh, like both us and Celtic have done in the past. So I don't see why that is a restriction. I mean, I, I know people are talking about the water table and things like that, but that shouldn't be. A, a modern construction can get around that way, concrete and shit. Or, so. or go and speak to the SRU and see if we can use uh, Murrayfield Derrick. I would be delighted with that <laughs> as well, because that's a fantastic stadium. So uh, if the SFA put, pulled any of their shit, that, that would be quite hilarious if they managed to pull that, that one off if it was for six months or so, so, something like that. But again, that's, uh, well, you know, I thought we'll, we'll have to wait and see exactly what happens there. But very encouraging, though, Derek, that that's what, what they're looking to do, you know, to, to, to add the capacity to Ibrox, that would be absolutely sensational. Yeah, it would mean if they lowered the pitch, though, they would need to rip up the, the, the newly relaying pitch as well, which apparently is the first time it's happened in, in about 30 odd years, so yeah. that would be a bit, bit ironic that. Next thing here is the St Mern chairman is facing an SFA probe due to multiple mm -hmm. derogatory tweets aimed at Rangers and their fans calling us Huns and also referring to us as Sevco. And he also made a comment about a picture of our fans celebrating on the Squinty Bridge in May and saying that he hoped it tips over. But on second thoughts, this the pollution would be awful. He wasn't the chairman of St Mern at the time. However, if Rangers fans can get front page stories on newspapers about historic tweets, then surely a club chairman yeah. should be given the same treatment. Well, clearly not so, as no news outlet picked up the story until the details of the SFA probe were brought up, despite this, the, the actual information being in the public domain for a number of days. He's since apologised on Twitter, saying that these tweets do not reflect his character or beliefs. Well, clearly they do, as you wouldn't have tweeted the stuff multiple times over a, a long period of time then, would, would they have? Definitely not, Derek. And as you, as you say, for the mainstream media not to, to, to pick up on that after everything that's happened, to me just looks as if that was, you know, to totally deliberate. Absolutely shocking what he said. I'm glad it's been found because see if that had been any Rangers fans out there or, or anybody linked to our club who would have came away with something like that, that would have been plastered all over the news, just like what you said with what happened with the, the, the guys for the podcast that done that. So uh, we'll wait and see exactly what the findings are or what happens with that one, but I'm glad it's been brought to light. Yeah. However, nil by mouth have proven they're an absolute joke of an organisation by referring to it as derogatory tweets why not sectarian and suggested that he can to make up for it he could make a donation to the rangers charity foundation so is is that how this is is that how we deal with this now yeah. basically a swear box so basically dave me and you can say what we want on here or in public or on twitter or whatever as long as i donate to charity well as long as the comments are about Rangers, Derek. <laughs> well, I exactly. Exactly. However, we're not finished with nil by mouth. We'll get on to them in a second. 
However, Castor finally launched the fourth strip to this year to celebrate our 150th year, and it's an absolute belter. It's white with a light blue Castor badge and a light blue crest with the buttons off the centre, just like the, the top that is in the famous picture from 1876 or 77, I think, as well, so... No, it's a, it's an absolute cracker, Derek. It's uh, they've they, they've done a great job. I've still actually see one up up closer as yet, but uh, no, it looks it, it looks absolutely cracking. Yeah, the, there was a video released um, with it as well, and a voiceover. Absolute goosebumps with it, uh, listening to that. There was a orchestrated piece of, of music in the background that was four lads had a dream. Oh, sorry, it wasn't that, Dave. It was the famine song that was playing in the background. <laughs> So, I'm not oh, going to get into it, everybody knows no, by now, but uh, the usual suspects out in rage about this, and yeah. nil by mouth, again, making a complete arse of themselves with a three-tweet outburst, you know, slamming yep. Rangers for it. Just utter, utter bullshit. Yep. It really is. Totally. Yeah, it's absolutely tiresome. So, the last <sighs> piece of football news here, uh, it's not directly Rangers-related. Uh, However, the Celtic Trust have urged their members to get behind resurrecting Resolution 12. Oh, ag- my God. Against their up-and-coming oh. AGM. They want a note of concern raised with the board because they're not happy with the board's handling of it, and they also want an update of how much further the board have got with their inquiries. This is despite it being voted down time and time again yeah. by their shareholders at every AGM, and including last year's one, which they were told that it was going to be the final time it's going to be going to be voted on. So unbelievable you would think that they've got more things to worry about just now with the way they're you know that they've started off in the league and obviously the up-and-coming court cases to me i think they fully know what's coming and they're just trying to use it as a distraction it's it's actually quite embarrassing derek isn't it they just can't let this go at all even although they've been told by their own powers that be Please drop it. That you know is basically what they've what they've been told, and you know they'll they'll they'll, they'll not give up, Derek. It's it's quite embarrassing. It's uh, it's it's not going to go anywhere. It's all noise to try and appease a certain amount of their fan base and stuff like that. It's just again, it's just embarrassing. It's it's playing to their deluded crowd, and it's, it's laughable to be perfectly honest with you. That's the thing, Dave. I think they got themselves in the position they did last year and with their, their you know, late appointments of managers and things because they were so busy and they were um, wrapped up in thinking about us rather than putting pressure yeah. on their own board. So long may this continue, I think. Yeah. So, we tried to spice up our sex lives but got our private stuck in hoovers, fell off balconies <laughs> and snapped willies. Oh my God, right. <laughs> Keeping things exciting in the bedroom is no easy task, but some couples take things a little too far and land themselves in all sorts of embarrassing situations, literally. This week, a half-naked woman fell from a balcony during a passionate romp on the balcony apartment of a hotel in in Taipei in Taiwan. Miraculously, the unnamed thrill-seeker survived after a horror fall was cushioned by a car roof. She did require hospital treatment, though. Meanwhile, in Nepal... A 45-year-old got his penis stuck in the neck of a plastic bottle during what is believed to have been a sex game gone wrong. Oh, my God. The International Journal of Surgery Case Reports said his manhood was trapped for two months (laughs) before he sought help. (laughs) He could have rotted if it waited any longer. 
The masturbation mishap is far from the only disaster in the bedroom suffered by a couple by couples all over the world. In Britain alone, a whopping 62% of us reported suffering injuries during sex, according to a superdrug survey this year. What superdrug do something like that for? <laughs> Here we look at some of the worst, from rampant sex marathons that led to hospital visits to props that got stuck where they shouldn't. Oh my god. Dan Blackner, known as Captain Dan the Demon Dwarf, <laughs> Captain Dan the Demon Dwarf was waiting to go on stage when he noticed a problem with one of his props. A vacuum cleaner attachment that allowed him to pull the Henry Hoover with his penis had become loose. <laughs> with minutes to go before his performance in the Circus of Horrors, Dan tried to fix the apparatus with superglue. Oh my god. In 2007 he told the Daily Mail that the most embarrassing moment of his life when he was wheeled his way to A&E with the vacuum still attached to his privates. <laughs> he added, I just wish the ground would swallow me up. Luckily they saw me quickly so the embarrassment was short lived. <laughs> I'll never look at Henry Hoover again at my work in the same way, Derek. <laughs> oh one, my god. One frisky fanatic in Germany was arguably a little too obsessed with the gym because he tried to combine his love of weightlifting with sex. The man was raced to hospital with a purple swollen genitals after getting his penis stuck in the hole of a two and a half kilogram weight. <laughs> Doctors spent three hours trying to free him from the heavy metal disc before they were forced to use a grinder and a vibrating saw. Oh. I'm, I'm pretty sure that made him happy. Probably. <laughs> Oh my god! I hope I hope it was near a big uh, a busy gym, Derek. When that happened, well. I hope it was a private gym. Oh dearie dear! Doug Bartlett and Anne Marie Richardson, after a boozy afternoon in Brighton in 2018, she told the Sun there was around 15 minutes of foreplay before she reached into her bag and pulled out what she thought was lube. Anna Marie continued, I then poured it all over his manhood and carried on doing what I was doing with my hand. After about 10 seconds, he started screaming. He jumped off the kitchen table, writhing in pain. Unknowingly, she had actually doused his penis in hot sauce. <laughs> Unfortunately, when Dan tried to run to the bathroom, he tripped over Anna's shoe and knocked herself out. <laughs> Luckily for him, his quick-thinking partner poured yoghurt all over his mouth. <laughs> well done. That is a... Well done, eh? You've got, to gear, you, 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 you've got to gear that one, Derek. Well well done. That was quick-thinking. Oh, oh there's, there's a lot more here, but we might save them for another thing. <laughs> Who on earth carries a bottle of hot sauce in her bag? <laughs> <laughs> Oh dearie dear I've said it before Dave But there are some weird fucked up people <laughs> in this world <laughs> Oh my god So on that note We on will end the note. podcast So as ever you can go to all the usual Podcast outlets to listen to our podcast As well as go to our website which is iReadyPodcast.wordpress.com And there you'll find the still to be updated Website <laughs> that we've, we've got there But you can find previous episodes Not from this season though so, Dave, after, you know, what's been an emotional few days, it wasn't the greatest of results yesterday, certainly not the greatest performance ever. 
we've got to you know pick ourselves up with the, the performances and go again I suppose yeah d- definitely you know we are in the fortunate position Derek that we are top top of the league we are in the fortunate position that we're still t- two points clear we should be a hell of a lot more in front but that's uh, you, you know in hindsight uh, saying that I am 100% confident that if we cut out stupid mistakes then we will go on and uh, you know start to get back to the team that we you, that we know we are but we just need to cut that out cut out the stupid mistakes you know and I'm sure that we'll be getting the victories back again we're going to get some key key players back also which will be massive to us all uh, again so Fingers crossed that they can start to get, uh, you know, the, the the ball rolling, Derek, and, and and start to get some some really good performances out there, and hopefully score a third goal in a game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, there was one point where we were trying to get three wins in a row. Now we're just trying to yeah, get three goals. You know, exactly. So all we can say is thanks for listening and goodbye. Goodbye, folks. We'll be back soon. Last night, two of the disappointments depart with the big money signings from Europe this summer bombing Madrid. Would you go along with that? No, I'm not answering that. But what I'm trying to say is that you've gone out and spent at the highest level. We think the highest level, and you have to, is the standard of, of standard of player in Europe at the top level is higher again? Are you going to have to go and match the AC Milan and pay these kind of fees? I'm not following your line of question. Well, we spent £5 million, Walter, in, in the summer on you. On, on, Good players, but these players seemingly are not good enough for the, at the highest level in Europe. I don't think you can say that. I mean, how can you? How can you say that? Well, I mean, they've just came at the place, haven't they? I mean, you've got to give everybody a chance to to settle. I mean, you saying Bolly and Lido can't play in Europe? No, I'm saying that. Well, we've got European cup winners now. For fuck's sake, you can't say he's not good enough player to play in Europe. Well, what's fucking stupid, isn't it? Well, at the end of the day, what no, I'm but t- that's what you're saying. What I'm saying to you is, obviously, there's. I mean, you can't say that Bolly and Lido can't fucking play. I mean, um, Lauda played seven games out of ten for AC Milan last year, and Bolly played in a team that's won the European Cup, and only never played in it last year because they were banned. You can't say you can't fucking play in Europe. Well, at the end of the day... I'm not fucking joking. <laughs> You've been up all night working that out. They're not good enough to play in Europe. That was your fucking words to me. Do you want to hear fucking laughing, Bolly? Jesus Christ. That was your words to me there. They too are not good enough to play in Europe. Fuck me. The team. The team. Archie, come on, you're a fucking interview. I'm making a bit of shite. Oh, that's a lot of interview. And we'll keep. Well, he's coming out with worse shite. I don't know, I was fucking arsed. If it was me. I must admit. Well, you can't be fucking serious at that. Alright, okay. That's what I was waiting for. I got that. I'm sure you've got his dad a bit again. The Rangers fans. What I'm trying to get at is the Rangers fans would are demanding or hopefully. Your questions to chairman last week were fucking shite and all right, and this week's exactly the fucking same. If we had a bad night last night, you're having a fucking horrendous one and now. What? Well, you did have a bad night last night. Ah, that's what I said to you. Well, if we, well, so, so you're having an equally po- fucking bad one now. Can't look at the of it. Right, but you turn around and say to me, you both two players, <laughs> if they're not good enough to play in Europe, fuck me. Do you not agree with me that the two of them didn't play well last night? No, but that doesn't mean to say they're not good enough to play in Europe. Surely they fucking proved that in many occasions. But when it before. Ca- I think. For fuck's sake. I mean, that's silly stuff you're coming out with there.